Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And hello there. We are back. Because, uh... Turns out our storage segment was way too long, and this is the part two of the same episode. Don't worry, dear patrons, you are not going to be charged twice. It's just that so that you can break it up, because um, we're still continuing our discussion here on our Discord, because because these things that I'm reading here and analyzing these are views and opinions, and it's ego getkin as well. So, kind of want my people to comment on what's going on. News are going to happen tomorrow, but uh, yeah, apparently Igor Girkin from prison doesn't do much and has been hated. However, like I mentioned at the end of the last episode, last part of the episode, his wife is now compiling and publishing his uh, well diaries. And I think I read this one on the previous one, but you know, you would be listening to this in a week or so, so who knows? Quote, Note from Miroslava Reginskaya. I feel like little Krupskaya. I catch my husband's words and thoughts and pass them on to you. Igor has a lot of studies, articles, and feuilletons that are not presented to a large circle of readers. I will publish them here. Let's start with the Bosnian Diary. Bosnian Diary. It was 1992. At the end of July, the war in Transnistria ended. It ended in a draw, according to the majority of its participants. Many of them, having already smelled gunpowder, lost friends and became embittered, were left with a feeling that can be briefly expressed by the phrase, we didn't finish the war. After the first euphoria, alive, a state familiar to most professional warriors set in. The desire to take risks again, to live a full life. This is the so-called gunpowder poisoning syndrome. The people were different. In the ranks of the volunteers, there were ideological monarchists, Cossacks, communists, simply those who loved to fight. And finally, finally, people who accidentally uh, found themselves in a war. And now I'm answering because someone can't hear us. Accidentally, in the last days of the transition campaign, on the eve of the introduction of peacekeeping forces, which he puts in air quotes because, you know, he's still a war criminal, Many, without hesitation, again in air quotes, were going to fight further. Some, least inclined to justify their desires, were attracted to Karabakh, 
And many people turned their attention to Yugoslavia, about which there were a lot of all kinds of rumors. Among the latter was the author of this article, Igor Gerken. So, after this happened, we can hear this all in the Chechen war. And by the way, I'll just make a short note here, because we have quite a lot of people now on Discord. Please join our Discord channel, because I'm not on other social media, and our Discord is the best one. Secondly, if you are on Discord channel, and in the future, things like this, check your settings. You might have like put on your audio output device out there, like in the wrong way. And I'm not cutting this one out. Now you hear everything raw and nice. Anath is going to edit something later, but for now, this is what's happening. However, the author, as Girkin writes about himself, aims only to acquaint readers with the events in which he and some of his comrades were a participant in 1992 and 1993, as well as with some of his conclusions reading regarding the past and present, the current Balkan massacre. It so happened that most of the people who ended up in Bosnia were already aspiring people. Both of my, the Zgirkens, companions, Andrei Nimenko and ace Alexander Mukhaev, were my comrades in Transnistria. Both fought in the TSO, Territorial Rescue Detachment, in the Yuzhny South Battalion, and took part in the battles of the Kitsansky Bridgehead. The recruiter, Yaroslav Yastrebov, who, as it turned out later, turned out to be a very unpleasant person, was also traveling with us. All the way we remembered the battles in which we had participated, looked for and found mutual acquaintances, wondered how this adventure would turn out for us. Of all those traveling, uh, I had the richest life and military experience. I was appointed the commander of the detachment, which received the loud name Royal Wolves in the press but in fact was modestly called the second volunteer. As for the ideology, all three of us who were sitting on the train considered themselves monarchists and patriots, a combination that must be strange for a person far from present-day Russia. It would, seem, it would seem that one implies the other, but this is not so. But in general, both of my fellow travelers were not really ver very well versed in politics. For them, at least at the beginning, Neither the reasons for this war nor its goals were completely unknown. And then Girkin takes a break. From the train, we were, we were traveling to Belgrade. They put us in a car and drove straight to Visegrad. We drove through all of Serbia. The hills and fields of Shumadia, neat towns and villages flew by. We, who came abroad for the first time, were struck by the clearly visible prosperity in everything because they're outside of Russia, just, you know, just so you knew. They're very pro-Russian, but um, they're a bit stunned that, you know, people live uh, with more prosperity, but, you know, it is what it is. <clears throat> in the smooth surface of wide highways, in the mass of private two, three-story, exclamation mark, houses, in the abundance of cars of, he puts in air quotes it here, prestigious brands, in the well-groomed fields and roadside cafes, we got to the West. The question involuntarily arose, why do these people fight? Meanwhile, the plains gave way to mountains. We drove through Ushitsa and tunnels, cliffs, mountain lakes, and monasteries that all flashed behind the glass. The forests were still green, although November had already arrived. It was snowing in full swing in Moscow. 
Pictures of prosperity and peaceful tranquility broke border controls on the Boston border for the first time. Several, quote-unquote, grandfathers, with carbines and in green overcoats, stood at the barrier. They looked clearly not warlike. Two or three soldiers of the military police looked completely different. Young, healthy guys in smart camouflage, hung with stripes and pistols. The time will come, and we will learn to recognize in these so-called heroes those who like to run from the battlefield to the slightest danger. But now we, short Russians, looked up the, at, at these two-meter thugs. He puts it on. That's the first entry done. I'll continue on, but uh, yeah. Already you can see that the very simple stereotypes about how he's surprised everywhere. Again, this is a, like, if you want the serious political thing, that's the Aristovich situation here. It's just that I find this whole diary thing of Igor Gerkin, who's now in prison, so fascinating. Because he's managed to get involved in so many wars. Like, he's the man that just, I suppose, exists on a different level than all of us. If anyone of you here in Discord want any comments, please uh, throw them out. If not, then I'll just continue reading because there's going to be a lot of people who won't be here. So, you know. I have a question. Sure. Claims to be a monarchist. Yeah, he is. Is he... So he was not for the Yugoslav monarchy, right? Nope, but he is for the Russian monarchy because a Russian monarchy is obviously the best monarchy. Gotcha. It's not about... Uh, like. Look, it doesn't make any sense anyways, so it is what it is. But like I said, dear people on Discord, and those of you who will probably join at some point in the future in different episodes like this one, because in some of these I need some help, unmute yourselves and ask me questions. It's fine. But um, right now the fun part begins, because we're going to go through all of this stuff. <clears throat> so on November 1st, 1992, we arrived in the city of Visegrad. We arrived in the city to the sounds of gunfire. Serbian artillery was fighting at Muslim positions located just a kilometer from the city. A kilometer is slightly less than a mile, but I really, really hope you already know that. In the evening, we received machine guns, an unimportant copy of our Kalashnikov, and went to a dinner arranged by the brigade command in our honor. We must give the Serbs their due. Neither then nor later did they skimp on the treats. On November 14th, we first became acquainted with the Serbian method of attack. A group of 20 fighters, including three Russians, approached the village of Zakritsne. Six Muslims were found. From a distance of 300 meters, three machine guns, a grenade launcher, and a small arms opened fire on the village. Two, again, he puts this word in air quotes here, Muslims were killed. One of them was shot by a nice sniper. Enemy fighters quickly responded from the houses with machine gun fire. They did not stop firing even after one of the houses was destroyed by four grenade launcher shots. The Serbs had no losses. But instead of going down the mountain and taking the village, the Serbs, very happy, went back. At the same time, Andrei Nimenko almost died, who, expecting a Serbian attack, went down to the very houses intending to throw grenades at them. This Zakritsna became a stumbling block for the Serbs. The Muslims maintained a small but persistent garrison there. They, despite constant mortar shelling, 
Vishigrad was two kilometers away, just behind the mountain, even managed to graze a large herd of cows in this valley. The Serbs launched, again in air quotes, attacks five more times. There was a case when AS and Andrei entered the village itself, threw grenades and shot two houses with a grenade launcher, but not supported by the Serbs, were forced to retreat. Another time, having descended from the mountain in the morning fog, a group of Russians released two disposable Zolje, apparently a grenade launcher things, through uh, the windows of the house where voices were heard. Still, the Serbs did not lose a single person near Zakrinsa, and the Muslims left there after their herd was covered by mortar fire. November was also marred by internal troubles. After several trips to the mountains, Timofey B began to give his voice. Even during the Battle of the Fifth, he began to argue with uh, AS, which did not prevent him from being the first to disappear from the battlefield. Furthermore, starting with the tenth, Timofey declared that he would no longer go to the mountains, that AS was a bad commander, that we were all amateurs compared to him. This did not stop the quote-unquote valiant captain from getting drunk every day in the barracks, while the rest went to protests. But, you know... This comes from me, knowing military personnel, getting drunk, drunk in the bar barracks seems to be like a really fun thing to do. That, you know, getting on. Timofey demonstrated the qualities of a Soviet officer that were well known to me and Andrei. Ace did not serve in the Soviet army. Stupid complacency and unfounded claims. As a result, on November 18th, he was kicked out of the detachment. But for another month, he hung around the city doing nothing. At the end of November, the detachment was replenished with six new volunteers. Some of them, Andrei Martinov, Mikhail P., and Valery G., passed through Transnistria. The others had not yet been fired upon. On November 22nd, Muslims descended from Vidova Gora directly to the suburb of Visegrad. Located on the left bank of the Drina, and with a grenade launcher shot damaged the substation that, that supplied electricity to the city. A surprising fact for us Russians is that in this war, you could often watch TV or talk on the phone with Moscow, while being just a few hundred meters from forward positions. I have to know there that obviously this happens in, in the early 90s. So, be different. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
from his diary carrying on. The sabotage caused panic at the headquarters. According to Serbian custom, there was never, never uh, an officer on duty. And our departure to the positions. If the Muslims really decided to attack, then I'm afraid no one except us would defend the city. However, everything worked out. Over the course of several days, we reinforced the garrison of the village of Gornadjeska, going out every day to come or ambush several times with minor skirmishes. On the same days, Muslim snipers wounded several Serbs in their positions. At the end of November, the brigade command, the commander was a former Korean lieutenant colonel of the Yugoslavian army, Luka Dragicevic, a pig and a communist, important because, you know, there's exclamation marks even by this, decided to push the enemy away from the city to knock him off Mount Orlina, to knock him out of the villages of Pochival, Hoyatsky, and Prechia. To do this, they brought up a detachment of mercenaries, and, and, and quotes, Serbs, from near Sarajevo, and brought in the new Hovitzar artillery. The Russians were given a significant role in the plan. Meanwhile, the mood in the, in the detachment, which numbered eight people in the ranks, was far from the best. The Russians already convinced that the Serbs do not even have a fraction of the courage that glorified them in the First World War, that Boban's intervention couple fight to plunder captured villages and are extremely reluctant to expose themselves to bullets, that the Serbs, it turns out, paid the so-called recruiters well in Moscow, but do not intend to pay the Russians here. All that, let's tell. Then, however, they started paying 100 to 150 German marks per month. Finally, the Russians had heard enough about the atrocities of the Serbs from themselves. And although the Muslims and Croats were no better, this did not make the most favorable impression. Still, the prevailing belief, at least among my troops, was we must protect ordinary Serbs, who, unlike Boban's mercenaries, have nowhere to run, and who are not involved in any atrocities. I would have to add here that um, if Igor Girkin says that he's not involved in any atrocities, that he obviously is. But yeah, I'll leave you for this. We're about halfway through. Please, comrades, um, if you want me to continue reading uh, Girkin's thing about uh, the war, as sort of some sort of a special extra thing. You know, I'll be doing regular episodes, but I just want to do these Girkin's diaries later on because it kind of shows how he doesn't even respect Bosniak people. Shows how he's just being active in the war crimes all over the place. At the same time, somewhat fascinating, really. <laughs> and the weirdest part is, like, he, he, he now is complaining in, in, the, in the prison that uh, he's being shut up or everything. And I'm, and I'm literally bringing his voice all over to all of you and all these people. I don't know. Please unmute yourselves, and uh, I hope that this Girkin stuff, as weird as it is, I think it's really interesting, and as an extra part, in addition to the episodes, might be quite well. I'll start with the top this time. Ezeitis, what do you think? Uh, is he using exclamation marks in the middle of sentence to emphasize some things? Yes, yes, yes. He's like having bracket, exclamation uh, mark, bracket. Uh, that, that's really stupid, but then again, we are not the main audience for his literary masterpiece <laughs> well we're the only one that listens to it so uh, poor, poor Kirkin I, I'm all, I almost feel sorry for him 
So, like, all I could think, all I could think of was this and some of the other things you've talked about is he's just war crimes, Forrest Gump. He does realize that most of the casualties from World War One for war, the Royal Serbian Army was from disease, right? Uh, I from don't think so. No, no, no. Girkin is good at military tactics. Girkin is very, very dumb at literally everything else. Like, the, the, there's always conspiracy theories. I, I mean, I, I've watched these people. I watched these people for a long time, and um, they don't even believe that Democrats and Republicans actually, you know, dislike each other. I have heard so many times that everything happening in the EU or the United States is just a little cabal. Well, not even little, like a cabal of unified people playing things. Everything's just super planned. Like the very fact is, like I, I mentioned this before, but like Putin does not believe elections exist. And the same is with these guys. To them, because of the post-Soviet mentality, there always has to be a secret service, some secret council just pulling the strings. Nothing can happen just because someone actually wanted that to happen. And this just focuses on it. That's stupid. It's some sort of mystic mentality. Like, uh, in the next news episode, I have a whole whole article from the speaker of Russian Gosduma we just spoke about how this whole war was apparently initi initiated so that uh, Ukrainian body parts could be sold to needy United States citizens and needy Western Europeans. Because obviously, right? It's just... It's just the, you start to live in this other reality. Which is why Girkin's studies, I, I think, should be separated as like part two, which I don't like charge patrons for, but I don't know. Uh, do, do you want to hear further on them? And everyone else who's not like here on Discord today, blame these people if they say yes. Sure. That is what we came for. for. <laughs> Go well, for it. It is, it is what it is. I mean, Igor Girkin tends to be common. But before we finish up on this, because, yeah, my mouth is getting a bit dry. Um... Thankfully, we have, what, 10 people here? You have your chance to ask me some questions. I'm taking exactly one from each of you, so I'll start with the top. Catchball, you go on. If you skip your question, the next person does, gets asked more, so it's fine. Catchball, your question, because people have now emailed me that I do not answer enough listener questions. Well, if you want them answered, listen, come to our Discord channel, everything. Catchball, question. Do you think that um, this is a bit under? Well, it's kind of related, but it's a bit unrelated as well. Do you think that um, Girkin's time in prison will change anything in his worldview? No, zero. No, nothing. No, nothing at all whatsoever. Oh, uh, by the way, you just reminded me the one thing that I wanted to talk about. But your question and everything. Yeah, I forgot. I almost ended this episode without giving you something important. Ah. Thank you, Catchpop. Uh, thanks also to you who are listening to the end because now you're getting to the big, big part. I'm now translating Maxim Kalashnikov's article comment on, um, on a thing. After this, you have a lot of questions. <clears throat> Quote. The other day, an article about Igor Strelkov, that's Girkin, was published in the Fashington Post. I think they wanted to do a reference to fascism, but they made a reference to fashion, but 
no one tell them, please? With a nondescript title, but a very eloquent first paragraph. And I'm just quoting Maxim Plashnikov here, our futurologist, uh, very much pro-war dude. The essence of the first paragraph, Pasadka Stelkova, Kapitulatsiya Rasiya, imprisoning Strelkov, capitulation of Russia, well, they translate this to as, by imprisoning Strelkov, Russia is making it clear to the world community that it's ready to admit its defeat, leave Ukraine, and they pay and repent. Washington Post posted this. And this part is me dissing on both, uh, both the pro-war guys and the Washington Post, because um, they're nowhere near as competent as necessary. Carrying on, carrying on uh, from, from the... Uh, comments on this. As proof of this thesis, the author of this article also puts a sign equal bet between Strelkov's personal beliefs and the foreign policy of the Russian Federation. To those of you who have been listening to this show for a while, you should start, you know, laughing hysterically at this point. If Strelkov strives for Russian irredentism, then the government of the Russian Federation is pursuing the same goals, and this is why the decision was made to start the special military operation. As we know, and I have to agree with Mikhail Kalashnikov here, this is not exactly the case. Strelkov and the authorities of the Russian Federation have strongly divergent views on both the goals and the way in which this military operation is conducted. That is why they put them here. Additionally, a lot is said about this too in the article. That somewhat contradicts the basic idea of the article. I'll add for myself. They read the article through Google Translate because they do not speak English one bit. But, you know, that's not a problem. Carrying on. And yet, the author of the article is not talking about Strelkov's publications for which he was arrested. Well, maybe the journalists of this publication are more interested in for and informed than his wife or his lawyers. Sarcasm of that. And you know what? Here, I actually agree with Maxim Kalashnikov for once. Well, Carrying on. In total, with a proof base somewhat weak for such a solid addition, it's stupid. For evidence, they have none. And then here's the best part. In this article, referring to the court in The Hague, Strelkov is named as the main culprit in the tragedy of the Malaysian Boeing. But personally, I have not still seen any proof of Igor's guilt. That's Maxim Kolashnikov, a very well-known idiot and so-called futurologist. Not indirect, not even indirect, such as excerpts of telephone conversations, which, by the way, do not prove Strelkov's guilt, but direct real evidence, which definitely pulls all, puts all points over him. Um, apparently, just you could, because, because, um, I'm sorry, Maxim Kalashnikov, but if you're calling yourself a futurologist and a scientist and everything, um, you should learn how to use Google. I'm pretty sure I can do that. You can do Oh, wait, he doesn't know English and they don't show this up in Yandex. Makes sense. At any rate, final sentence just exclaims everything and finishes this episode smoothly, just before your questions. And I would like to believe that justice in the Russian Federation will not be as, uh, as evil and fake as the court in The Hague, but truly fair. Now I have a question to you. And you answer this and they ask me a question. How, uh, in comparison, truly fair, from zero to minus 15, how, how far Russia is going with all the situation? Again, Girkin's in prison, talking about all the mess, where everyone has lied to him and there, has been, there have been murders. Arstovich is an opportunist. 
and then all this stuff is happening. I don't even have much more to say than happiness is mandatory. Oh boy. What do you guys think? I'm now giving I'm now giving you the chance of people online here to ask me some questions. If not, well we have an email, we have a Discord channel, and always you're always welcome to join in in the conversation. But I'll just prod someone at random. Philip, Merle, Mavs, Matt, anyone totally not from the spy? Um the I there oh, I view on justice and fairness is wildly different than what the definition is for that. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. Which is why I kind of split up this this part and the Aristotle, Aristotle part, if you think about it. Aristotle part is actually generally serious. But in in this time, maybe you can call me a bad person, but um I just love to find some joy and happiness in my life by making pot shots at this pro war dudes and um you know, you got Girkin. He never never ceases to amaze me. Like very rarely do I find someone that is as as idiotic. But yeah, comrades, thank you for listening and I hope you listen to both parts. Again, dear patrons, if you're a Patreon, don't worry. This part, the second part is for free. You're not going to be charged for it. I will uh, probably take a walk because I'm super tired. I need to record a Latvian podcast episode also as well. Uh, Doing a lot of things, not sleeping. My fiance oftentimes yells at me for not taking care of my health. I also spend too much money on taking care of all the situation. And I hate monetization, but you know, you know that guy's uh, but please, please, if you want to become patrons, go to patreon.com slash eastern border. Or just if you hate that one-time donation on the eastern border.lv, just click the donate button. We'll fix the page eventually so that you can have episodes there. But so far, well, what can I say? Tvarish. And as always remember, happiness is mandatory. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Traffic jams tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.